Hey, welcome back to Socialette. This is episode 213. Today's guest is Flori Pike from The Elevatory, where she and her co-founder offer coaching, training, and resources for rising female entrepreneurs. Flori has an MBA in marketing, and just like myself, and I'm sure many of you, she is also originally from a corporate background. Now, I'm so excited about today's episode because we chat all things scaling, from planning to scale, deciding when to start to scale, putting the foundations in place for a scalable business, where to start scaling, the mindset involved, all of the things that you need to start thinking about in order to scale your business. Now, before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to make sure that you've got your hands on the complete roadmap for a killer launch. Inside my free ebook, you'll find the six steps that you need to follow in order to have a profitable, successful launch, whether that's the launch of a new product, a new course, a new membership, a new podcast. These steps apply to any kind of launch. So you can grab the complete roadmap for a killer launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash launch. All right, on to the episode. Hi, Flory. Welcome to Socialette. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Steph. I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited to have you here. So Flory, for my listeners who aren't familiar with you and with the Elevatory, please tell us who are you and what do you do? So my name is Flori, as you said, it's short for Florencia, and I am the co-founder of exactly right, The Elevatory. So what we do is that we help female entrepreneurs to start, grow, and scale their businesses. So yeah, that's basically our jam, and we've been doing it for about four years now. And scaling is exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. And I am very excited because we haven't actually had anyone on the podcast talk about scaling before. So this is, and and this is something that I've been dealing with personally in my business. I'm sure it's something you've had to deal with in yours. So it's very exciting. Now, I know that your business used to be called Business School for Mums, and I'm sure some of my listeners have heard of you as that brand, but you recently rebranded to the Elevatory this year. What was the reason behind that shift? Yeah, so basically, um, we found that, um, well, first of all, I want to say I'm really excited to talk about scaling because I, yeah. I, <laughs> I think that um, it is it is such an important element to take your business to the, to the next level. And, and as we'll discuss today, like it's often something that, um, you can do sooner than you actually think. Um, but to answer your question, so we were, we started off exactly like business school for moms. And it was really interesting because early on in the journey for us, like literally eight months in, whilst we're all about niching and it's something that um, we teach a lot to our students in our personal coaching programs, we felt, you know, we had this gut instinct really early on in the piece that perhaps we had niched down a little too much. Um, But, you know, the timing was never quite right to address it. Uh, You know, business had to generate money and to go through a whole rebrand was a big exercise. So, we, we kind of put it aside, which in retrospect, I think, had we kind of nipped it in the bud when, when we had that gut feel, we would have saved ourselves a lot of work because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
three years later, when we yes. did decide to rebrand, there was a lot more content to rebrand. Oh, of course. And at that stage, I suppose you've also built a whole brand around yeah. a completely different name. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit of a gold nugget there for anyone who's listening. If you have that kind of hunch that perhaps you don't have the, the quite the right name or niche, you know, address it sooner than later. Um, but no, pr- primarily the reason was that um, we found that we were we wanted to be able to help women from all walks of life and not just moms. And what was really interesting w- was that we found in, in time, actually, as the business and the brand progressed and evolved, we were increasingly welcoming women into our programs who were not moms. So for us, that really justified the decision and really tipped us over the edge to proceed with the rebrand. And that happened a couple, well, about like three or four months ago now. Yeah, that's so interesting. So I was just recently listening to a workshop that James Wedmore did called Nail Your Niche or Nail Your Niche. as Oh, yes. I've heard about this. Yeah. (laughs) The the workshop that went on forever, but was like, everyone was like, I could have listened to it on and on and on. It was that good. It's about it's about nine hours of content over yeah. two days. It was insane. But anyway, so he talks about um, he talks about super, uh, superfluous niches. So how like running a business for mums isn't too different to running a business as any other business owner. Obviously, there's a lot more prioritization and a lot more time management involved. But yeah, it, it's still the same. It, it's the same principles and the same foundations essentially. Correct. Correct. So that makes so much sense. Now, okay, so on to scaling, which the, the real meat and potatoes for today's episode. I often, I often forget that a lot of my listeners, they're new to the business world and they don't really understand a lot of the terminology. So how would you define scaling a business? I think it's really when you go, I mean, in, in kind of jargon terms, really when you're ready to go next level. So for me, really what that means is, you know, you're prepared to bring on some team members, you're prepared to let go of wearing all of the hats, Um, you're not spinning your wheels as fast, and you're becoming more future-focused working on the business versus in the business every day. Um, You know, we all start somewhere. We all have to start in the same place where it's like you have to do everything and you have to wear all the hats, but ultimately you don't want to be wearing all the hats because if you're doing that day in, day out, it means that you know your business is only going to grow so far. It's only going to get to such a point. You cannot continue in that way. And so for me, scaling is really um, growing a team and creating something that you know five, ten years down the track is, is something you could sell even if you wanted to. And, and I see yeah. that as the ultimate kind of barometer or litmus test of scaling, that you can sell your business. Do you think there's anything wrong with a business owner just wanting to stay small and saying, okay, no, maybe scaling isn't for me? Or do you think it's something that should be on everyone's radar? No, I definitely think that, you know, I kind of like to look at life as phases. And I think particularly, you know, we're speaking about business school for moms and being a mom and we have a lot of students who are moms and who don't want to scale. And that's okay because today in this phase of life, when you have, you know, three under three kids or what have you, scaling is probably not something that's going to fit in too well with those sleepless nights and toddlers and babies. And that's okay. You know? Um, and maybe in five years time, it will be something that you want to explore, but 
ultimately, I think it has to sit as something that, you know, you really want to do. Um, and so I think it's okay. Yeah. If you don't want to scale that, that's totally fine. But if your ambition is to create something large and that you can eventually remove yourself from, or, you know, exactly be more future focused so that you can work on expanding the business in other ways. And it is something that you want to eventually achieve in your business. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose if you stay as that person who's wearing all of the hats, mm. you eventually will just burn out oh. or you'll get sick of it. And 100%. yeah, I suppose it's not as sustainable as well. Uh, totally. And I also think that, you know, you can, one thing, and I'm sure we'll probably get to talking more about this shortly, but one thing that's been really interesting for us is that, um, you know, we now, there's 10 of us on the team and wow, yeah. And that happened really quickly. Um, but what's been a really interesting thing to observe is that when you empower your team members to take on something that you were once doing and that becomes their sole focus, do you know what? They'll do it so much better than you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) because you were doing that in and amongst 1 million other things. So, you know, you just put band-aids everywhere, you know, Oh, I've just got 10 minutes. That's what I can put and invest into this. And that's how I'm going to do it. But if you have a resource, you know, solely dedicated to that one or those two things, they're going to own it and they're going to do it really well. And that's one thing that we've found. Um, and so it really pays to grow your team because it will serve you in, in more ways than just one, you know, like you, you really do um, over time start to develop this really like vast set of skill sets bet- between all of you, you know, and it's, yeah. it's pretty cool to watch. I love the band-aids. <laughs> it's so true, <laughs> that right? sounds like exactly me. <laughs> Uh, so Flory, is scaling something that starts to happen naturally in a business or is it something that you really need to plan and push for? Well, it's funny, you know, I've, I've listened to, it was interesting, you know, speaking of, you listened to that training by, um, James Wedmore on niching. I was recently listening to this podcast that Amy Porterfield recorded with her friend, Rick Mulberry. And yeah. It was all about basically like his big insights to scaling. And one of them, which totally resonated with me, was that scaling can be really scary. You know, like Mm. all of a sudden you go from owning everything to having to let go. And that is really scary, you know. Um, And also knowing when you can do that is also really scary because do you know what that means? It means that every month moving forward, you have to pay that person and it's an additional expense. And so I think that you have to really back yourself to scale a hundred percent and you do have to plan for it. But one thing that he also said, which really I was like, it's so true often there's never kind of like the right time to scale. Like you just have (laughs) to never the right time for anything in business. (laughs) Correct. Right. Like if you want to grow at some point, you have to just back yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And of course you have to have some financial measure that you have, you know, the means to pay that person. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I've performed this well in the past six months. I'm going to back myself that I'm going to create the same, if not better performance over the next six months. 
Um, so to some degree, yes, of course you need to have, um, you know, an understanding and uh, like some sense of data that proves to you that you can pay this person, that you can bring on that additional resource. But a lot of it as well is like, you just have to believe that you can make this happen, that bringing on this person is going to liberate your time to future focus more on, you know, building the business and working on the business. So to some degree you have to plan, but I guess the the main message I want to say here is that often, you know, there's never kind of the right time. You just have to make it happen, you know, and it's just really jump. scary. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's scary. Jump and then build the parachute. But there are, you know, there are definitely things that you can put in place in order to scale efficiently. And I think it's important to really highlight those. So when we went through the process of scaling, Um, we spent a lot of time getting all of our resources. So everything from, you know, our program content to our creative, to our landing pages, like any content touch points that we had, um, we created really robust filing systems on Dropbox so that our team could all access that and had a shared hub. Um, and then we also, for a while, I think we used Slack So there, you know, and there's all sorts of different um, communication systems that you can use in order to um, basically streamline processes and systems and expectations between you. Um, And the other thing that we did, which has worked really well for us, was to create, you know, standard um, operating procedures, SOPs. So basically recording expectations of what that person's role is. And a great thing that really comes out of doing that is that it forces you to really write down the nitty gritty detail on what's expected for that person who's going to step into the role when you do scale to execute. And then that person becomes responsible for updating that SOP so that if tomorrow, you know, he or she were to leave, you know, when Sally walks in, she can pick that document up and know exactly what's expected of her. That's that's so interesting that you say that because just this morning I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who has just been left in the lurch by a team member who's got up and left and hasn't done any handovers or anything and they don't have those SOPs in place. Yeah. So she could the new team member couldn't just pick it up and run with it. Yeah. And it's so it's so important. Now, I like that you touched a little bit on some of those foundations and some of those things that you guys did when you started scaling. In your opinion, what do you think the key foundations for a scalable business are? Well, foundations are something that we talk about a lot over here at the elevatory in the hood. Um, (laughs) We we believe that really you need some fundamental business foundations in order to grow, let alone scale. Um, to even to market, you know, this is something that we see so often. And I think it's important to, to say this, especially if your audience are often, you know, business owners who are starting out, don't just go for the glitz and glamour of the marketing, you know, because all too often we see that the allure of, you know, the social media and, you know, the Insta stories and this and that is what people tend to dive in head and and to do first. And the trouble is that if you don't have your foundations first and you just start marketing, it's going to fall over. You're going to waste a lot of time, energy, and money, okay? So even without the scaling element, like strip it back even before you start marketing, okay? So 
Um, to answer the kind of into more detail what foundations we believe are really essential in order to grow and then scale, like you really need to fundamentally understand your target market intimately. So, um, you know, customer avatar, that, that kind of perfect client, right? You need to be able to really get into their, their, their heads, into their hearts so that you can resonate with them so that you know what makes them tick. Okay. Um, and often that requires a bit of research. Okay. The same goes for your offering. A lot of research. A lot of research. That's right. You know, and, and that's something that we, really advocate for it every turn in business. You know, I'm the first to say like, don't just guess what your people want. Ask the question like, but yet, you know, I see so many business owners who put a finger in the air and they're like, right, you know, I'm going to create this thing because my friends and family told me it was a good idea. You know what? You're guaranteed to fail. Like, unless you've got some statistics (laughs) behind that, you've got some data, you've done the research, you've talked to your target market to really justify that decision, it's going to fall over. So research is kind of the first starting point. And then also you really yeah, need to understand love your, that validation yeah. one. Yeah. So true. Right. Like, yeah. um, oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of pre-selling because I feel like anyone can say, yes, I would buy that, but whether they're actually going to put their money where their mouth is, well, that's a whole nother story. Oh, I really agree with what you're saying there. So Research is a huge one. Also, just yeah. understanding your marketplace. So, and this is something that, you know, for your listeners, this is not something that you should kind of do once and then, you know, you pop it in the top shelf and it's all bound and pretty. This is an ongoing exercise. Like, you know, get into your competitor analysis and analyze exactly what they're doing. Like, go and sign up for their lead magnets, their freebies, or opt ins. Go and look at their Facebook ads. Like, stock them, see how they're doing things, model them, model what's working, and make it your own. Make it even better. Like, there's so much to be learned from looking at your competitors and what's working for them, you know? There's, I mean, those are just a couple things, but. There's, there's quite a few. Um, I, I think just to also kind of throw in a couple other things, like you have to ensure that your business model is viable. And I know that sounds like so common sense, but I cannot tell you enough, like how, how often we see, um, people, you know, business owners who they go out and they create a product and they go off for years not even understanding what their margins are. So whilst, you know, they might be turning over a hundred thousand dollars in revenue per year and thinking, wow, like I'm really nailing this. Once they do their margins, they understand, you know, their shipping costs or packaging, um, freight, all the rest. It's like, well, actually, you know, I'm only netting 10 grand in my back pocket after 12 months for all that effort. And I can't tell you enough how many people fail doing their numbers. Like, and that is just a fundamental thing that if you're going to scale, you got to make sure that it's worth your while, right? Yeah. And that's so funny that you mentioned that because I used to run a product-based business with tiny, tiny margins. Mm. And the worst, the worst part is one of my degrees is actually an accounting degree. (laughs) So I, I of all people should know, like how, and, and you wonder like, how do some of these people who actually don't have experience, they, they've never run a business before and they don't have that knowledge of the numbers, how, like, how can they get that 
insight into what their margins are and what their numbers are? Do you think they need to ask somebody else? Um, so do, are you talking about like before you've launched or what or product sellers? Yeah, before before you've launched or like how can you figure out whether your business model will be viable is what I was trying to ask. <laughs> no, no problem. So I think it really hinges on doing that competitor analysis and also doing some research into willingness to pay around your target market so that you can understand what price you're going to sell your product at. And you might be using something like a penetration strategy, it's called, especially if you're starting out where, you know, mm-hmm. you might kind of price yourself a bit lower than your competitors just to break into the market. And that's okay because over time, you know, you have a strategy and a plan to, to gradually increment your price. But you need to understand, well, even if I undercut my competitors, am I making a healthy margin? So I think it comes down to really understanding the demand, the willingness to pay and where you're going to price yourself relative to your competitors, then doing the numbers, understanding your margins and saying, right, if over the next, you know, 36 months or like 24 months, even 18, 12 months, whatever it is, I'm going to slowly increase my prices, you know, then I know that. Right. At this point, I'm going to be netting that. At this point, I'm going to be netting that per product, etc. So you need to have a bit of a plan in place. And I think that that's a really good starting point, basically, to ensure and to give you that confidence that your business model will be viable. I love that. Now, you, you hear a lot about all these businesses that launch and then they scale to like a million dollars in the first year. Do you believe that it's a good idea to go into business and focus on scaling right away? Or is it something that should take a bit of time? Oh, look, I mean, (laughs) I think we'd all be pretty stoked if we scaled to a million dollars in the first year. Um, I mean, uh, it's a a good problem to have when you can't keep up with demand. It sure has, you know, it stresses, but overall, it's a pretty good problem to have. Um, But no, look, fundamentally, I do think, and it's something that, we advocate for a lot and that's that you really do need to do your business foundations and really ensure that you've got all this stuff down pat before before you do scale because you want your business to really stand the test of time. Um, in saying that, I have to say, I haven't really come across too many businesses who have scaled to a million dollars in their first year and then like, you know, bombed. Like you're, you know, you're onto something pretty good if you manage yeah. to, to, to get that kind of return in 12 months. But Fundamentally, you know, for those of you who are listening, I think just focus right now on getting those foundations down pat before you even th- think about tackling your marketing um, and, and then your scaling. And then so once you know that you're ready to start scaling, where do you start? Like there, I can imagine there are just a million places you could start. Yeah, well, I think like for us, it was we we tried to. I think for us, like the ultimate kind of indicator that we were scaling was really bringing on another staff member. Um, mm. But like I said, before we did that, we we did put a lot of measures in place to ensure that um, the process would be as streamlined and efficient as possible, right? So yeah. um, before you even look at bringing a staff member on, I think that you you need to do what you can in order to make systems and processes as efficient as possible to save you as much time as possible so that you then have an accurate gauge on, you know, how you're investing your time. Cause there's so much that you can automate in your business today, you know? Oh, yeah. 
Um, so I would be starting there, really making sure that you've got you know some great email automations in place for your sales funnels, um, and just like yeah, that actually that's a really big one. Like just having some sales funnels set up really that are working, <laughs> which is no mean feat. Like. I love how I'm just like, just set up your sales funnels. It's not like that. And I totally get that. You know, we've been in the game now for four years. So for us, it's like, it it is a bit easier, but I I completely appreciate that it takes time. And even for us, you know, with a team of 10, like it takes time to test and set up a sales funnel that works. Um, But I think in the first instance, you do have to really have an understanding of what works and what doesn't work and also what you need help with will become very clear and you know if you can't tackle that task yourself then you know it's probably time to bring someone else on I also think there's a great exercise to do um, which we often get our masterminders to do and that's to write out all the things that you do in a day right and to put a dollar value against that. So is that a $10 task? Is that a $100 task? Is that a $1,000 task? Is that a $10,000 task, right? So for those kind of $10, $100 tasks, is that the best use of your time? Probably not, right? And so those are the kinds of things where when you're kind of thinking, what should I start with kind of outsourcing? Those are the things. Those are the tasks. When you say like a $10 task, is that like revenue that it's bringing into the business? So a $10 task might be like, for us anyway, because it's not a huge um, revenue generator and we've been able to kind of correlate data to make that understanding. Posting on Instagram, right? It's important. We have to be there. But it's not like I post on Instagram and I get a sale. It's never been that way. Like we might get a follower and over time that person might engage and come into a sales funnel and have a few touch points and then they come and they buy, right? Yeah. But it's not a $10,000 task. It's not a $1,000 task. And so for us, that became really clear. Like I was doing socials, for instance. It was just not the best use of my time. Like I'm better off strategizing or setting up a sales funnel or, you know, at the time doing Facebook ads or what have you. Like these are big tasks, you know? Um, so that's the kind of thing, like think about where your money is made and then put a dollar value against all those tasks, tasks, and then figure out, you know, what is it that you can outsource? Such a great idea. I'm going to go and do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great exercise. Yeah. So when you start scaling and you, you often hear stories of people who've scaled and maybe they've scaled a little bit too fast and something's broken or their quality has decreased. How can somebody make sure that there's quality in either the services they're delivering or the products they're delivering and their customer service? How can they maintain that quality while they're scaling? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, I definitely found even for us, like when, when we did scale, it became evident that, um, even today, I mean, every business is ever evolving, right? And there have been, there always will be gaps where you're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Or like, this could be done better, you know? And I think that the the secret is really in where there are gaps, for instance, when when there has been like a a bit of a, a, a fault on our end or what have you with a student, 
which, you know, touch wood happens very seldomly. The first ones to admit, right, you know, how can we help you? We appreciate that, you know, things have not gone to plan according to the experience that, you know, you were promised, like customer service. Okay. And I know that sounds like so common sense, but as a Canadian, like I feel like in Australia, especially customer service has a really long way to go. So if you are prepared to take the fault and recognize, you know, how can I make this better for you, for the student, for the customer on the other end, like, can I send you, you know, a free product and it'll be there tomorrow or whatever it is, you got to do that, right? Because you don't want to have customers who are unhappy, who are negatively advocating for you. What's it going to cost you? 30 bucks? Like, yeah, it's worth the 30 bucks versus having negative word of mouth spreading about you. Right. Um, as well, like it's bad karma. Like nobody wants to, you know, <laughs> operate that way. But the importance in that lesson is that you have then got to create some sort of plan to mitigate that from happening again, because it's going to happen. You know, you can set up all the systems and processes and standard operating procedures and streamlining and blah, blah, blah. Things are going to happen that you did not foresee that, you know, they just weren't according to plan, but you just need to really nip those in the bud, admit the fault, over deliver to that person and then create a plan so that this does not happen again. So true. And yeah, I definitely agree. Customer service here does have a long way to go Mm. now. Okay. So scaling from my own personal experiences, because it's something that I'm starting to get the wheels in motion and start doing, but it's something that I've realized is very, very dependent on your mindset and like what, what are some of the mindset struggles that you've seen with business owners who are scaling? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like um, mindset for us is a huge thing. And we weave the lessons of mindset into everything that we teach. Because again, whether you're scaling or you're growing or you're starting out, you are going to hit barriers and you're going to hit blocks and you're going to hit hurdles and it's going to be tough. And it's all relative. So even for yourself, you know, you're further along in your business or ourselves, we're further along in our businesses. When we hit a hurdle, it's no harder than it is, you know, for the girl next door who's just started out. It's all relative. So I think that you have to, it's really interesting. Like I remember when we started out kind of four years ago, when, when, you know, it hit the fan and the going got tough, I found it really like frustrating. I remember. And it was just like, Oh, like I just need a day to like digest and, you know, kind of get over this and then I'll create a plan. And, but it's really interesting because over time, you know, I have chosen to adopt a different approach to that and a different behavior. And rather than seeing those blockades as barriers that are going to stop me, it's more about how is this an opportunity to learn? What can I take out of this? Because when you fail, and I don't even like that word fail because it's all in how you see these things. It's all about the language that you choose to use. Okay. And a failure, in other words, is an opportunity for you to learn. You won't commit that error again, but you're going to fail today. You're going to fail tomorrow. We're all going to fail, you know, no matter where we're at, like 
The Coca-Colas, the Microsofts of the world, they're failing too, in some way, shape, or form, relatively. But it's all in how you approach this. You have to keep on going. You have to learn and really start to adopt this behavior that over time, if you really practice this, you will get better at it. You know, when things get tough, if you can approach this with, right, what's the lesson in this and how can I address this? You know, what can I try? How can I pivot to make this work? That will become like second nature to you so that the next time when something doesn't work, oh, I'm going to go back to that behavior that I used. And that pattern will start to develop over time. So practice that, you know, try to approach things differently. Look at the lesson and how can you pivot and how can you do things differently to make it work, you know? I love that. Some great, great tips in there. Now, Flory, at the end of each episode, I have a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests. And the first question is, what advice would you give to your pre-business self? This is a good question, Steph. (laughs) It stumps a lot of people. What advice would I give to myself before starting business? I think probably probably to to think big. And I know that sounds like "Mm, that's, you know... We can all think big, but in, in practice, I think that we all really get up, get caught up with the day to day. And, you know, there's this whole, like, I'm sure you guys have heard of it, the 80, 20 rule, the Pareto principle, you know, the whole concept that you should focus on the 20% of the things that are going to bring you 80% of your revenue and your returns and, and your results. And what happens though, so often time and 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 I'm certainly one to put my hand up. And I think a lot of us are probably guilty of this to some degree. Like we end up focusing a lot on the doing and not kind of thinking big because, you know, we got that to do list and it goes on and on and on. And over time, I've gotten better at that because, you know, we have team to delegate to and whatnot. But, you know, don't get caught up in the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Like think big. Where do you want to take this? You know, and I, I mean, it goes back to like when things get tough, right? Like if that order didn't arrive to your customer and you're really stressed out about that, like relax, you can work that out. In a year's time, you're not even going to remember that because exactly you, you're going to, you're going to over deliver to that customer anyway, tomorrow she's going to be stoked and life goes on. So yeah, just think big and don't sweat, don't sweat the small stuff. I love that. And then what has been your biggest whoops moment so far? goosebump moment where I was like I sat there with my business partner Anna like we were in 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 tears of like joy was so would have been like year and a half ago now we were nominated by a lot of people which was like humbling in itself um for the Telstra business awards and at the time you know exciting yeah we had only been doing this for kind of two and a half years so it's pretty early days and you know, we kept going through the hoops, like to get from nomination to kind of stage one to stage two to stage. There's a lot of stages. Um, <laughs> I, we thought, you know, hopefully we'll kind of get there and what have you. And finally got to the point where we, we were shortlisted and we had um, a couple judges around who we sat down with for a morning and, and then we found out we were finalists and that moment, um, it just like, you know, we've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this journey um, with, you know, we have six kids between us. There's been a lot of sacrifices made on husband's behalves, on family's behalves. 
And to have that moment where, wow, you know, we were one of six businesses and over 10,000 businesses in Australia to be recognized for what we do was just the most humbling moment. And I think that would be probably one of the most kind of amazing moments for us. I love that. And my last one is what or who inspires you? Ah, probably my husband, to be honest. He's pretty phenomenal. Like he, I know, no, I know. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like getting teary, but it's really true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he, he is amazing. Like he, um, we moved here. Um, when was it like 11 years ago now we were living in France and, um, He was playing rugby professionally in France and he, I was like, look, I don't love France. Like I can't do anything here. I've been doing, you know, I just finished my bachelor of commerce and I'm, I've always been really determined and ambitious and, and I, I specialized in entrepreneurship. So I knew I wanted to start something, but it was hard. We were living in a really like small town and I was like, oh, look, one of our best friends was living in Australia. And he said, you know, there's this great, um, there's this great sport here and it's called AFL. Like you should, you should have a look. (laughs) And one thing led to the next and we moved here and Mike had, he had not even like touched an AFL ball in his life. Um, let alone even watch the sport. And after a week trial, with the swans they just they signed him on which was like unbelievable and he went on to have an incredible (laughs) yeah an incredible career so he played over 100 games he played in two premierships he won a premiership um he's now in investment banking he completed his master's of finance degree whilst he studied and he's just like incredible like he kicks such phenomenal goals and his mindset is impenetrable like I just uh, like yeah he he is seriously inspirational so there you go (laughs) you two sound like a power couple wow (laughs) I can't believe I got so teary I was like oh (laughs) that's so cute I love it (laughs) awesome Flory thank you so much for sharing all your tips and your advice and getting so real with us Where can my listeners find out more about you and about the Elevatory? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me, Steph. It's been a lot of fun and I've really enjoyed... It's been. I'm usually on the other side interviewing um, on our podcast. So it's been really nice to be able to share a few little gold nuggets here and there with your listeners. Um, Our website is www.theelevatory.com. And um, yeah, we also have a podcast... Uh, if you're wanting a little bit of business juice as well, it's called the yes. the Raising Her Game podcast. Um, and we'll get you on as well, Steph. Super pumped for that. Yes. Um, I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. So, um, so yeah, come, come hang out. We have tons of freebies on the website. So come and have a little, you know, look around. Awesome. Thank you so much, Flory. No, thank you. Thank you, Flory. Now, I hope you guys all found this episode as valuable as I did. I'm finding this particularly relevant at the moment because heading into 2020, I'm now starting to think about how I can start to put those foundations in place to really start scaling my business and, you know, 
just the little things like even delegating more because that is something I really struggle with. I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to hold my work close to my chest and I don't like anyone else to touch it. But heading into 2020, that is one of my business resolutions is to not hold my work so close to my chest. Anyway, I hope you will all take those tips from Flory, whether you're thinking of scaling or not, and be able to implement them in your business. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any other new episodes. I will be releasing them back to the regular schedule now, from now until 2020. And if this podcast has made any difference in your business, you found it helpful at all, I always really appreciate a rating and a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It really makes a big difference as to whether somebody decides to tune in or not. So if you can do one tiny little thing and leave me a review, I will be forever grateful. And remember, if you haven't got your complete roadmap for a killer launch, head on over to stephtaylor.co forward slash launch to download it. It's completely free and I've had some really good feedback from you guys who have downloaded it already. So make sure to head on over there and download that. And otherwise, that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening and catch you next time.